Are you subscribed to OnlyPage yet? Visit OnlyPage.com for VIP access to all things, well, me. From golf instruction content, behind the scenes footage, and new content uploaded weekly, including member-only live streams, OnlyPage is your only way to connect with me off social media. Sign up today at OnlyPage.com. Again, that's OnlyPage.com. This summer, unleash the power of winning with PointsBet. Whether you are into home runs or hole-in-ones, PointsBet is your home for live betting. With PointsBet's lightning bets, you can bet inning by inning or shot by shot. And every day with PointsBet Power Hour, eligible customers get daily boosts, best odds, or no-juice lines that you can't find anywhere else. New users can download the app today using code PAGE and receive 5-second chance bets up to 100 each. That's five straight days where points bet will match your losing wager and bonus bets. Points bet, your move. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Playing Around podcast. And you are here with your two favorite golf girls, Sam and Paige. And Sam, we have a lot to talk about. It was a very interesting week in golf. And so let's just get right on into it. So I have to say that I was sweating over the last couple holes because I picked Russell Henley to win. And it was tight between him and Lucas Glover. And the first thing we need to talk about the rule on divots. Russell Henley got absolutely fucked over. And yes, you could say, like, if he hit the green or if he hit the fairway, then he wouldn't have to deal with these issues. But he missed the green, landed in a divot the size of a crater because everything would feed back in, land in the divot, and he didn't get up and down. And then he got a horrendous lie on the next hole where it plugged well it looked like it plugged but it didn't and then he had to like hack it out and on the flip side lucas lover snap hooked a drive on 18 and it hits a cart hits a cart and bounces all the way back and it, it didn't matter in the end he won by two but luck of the green okay so you've been very vocal about your rules disagreements in the past but i want to know what your proposed fix is to this is it just like nearest point of relief one club length like it is with the cart path or you can't have a whole club length to improve your lie just nearest point of relief i think it's nearest point and if you are in the fairway and you land in a divot you should get free relief that's it so this rule wouldn't apply to the shitty lie that russell henley had on hole 17 but it could help him out on the par three because everything keeps feeding back in and feeding back in. And so they set these courses up to trick up the players. And then on top of it, they're all landing in the exact same divot. And at some point, it's just not fair. And you can say life's not fair, golf's not fair, it's just the rub of the green. But I don't like that. You hit a good shot, you're in the fairway, you should get relief from a divot. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about the divot situation is like, is there not someone there fixing them as they go? I understand that it still sucks, but like, I don't understand how a divot is left untreated for at a PGA tour event. 
I guess. I will say though, if I was in Russell Henley's position and someone put the divot back into the grass back into the divot, or if they sanded it, that would have been a much more difficult shot. There is nothing worse than when you have a chunk of grass that they replace their divot with. Okay. If the piece of grass is the divot and the hole is the divot, what do you call the divot divot? <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the divot for the divot. Like, what do you call that thing? You know, there's, there's a lot of people like amateurs who don't are just learning golf who call ball marks divots. No, when you take a chunk, like repairing your divot. Yeah, when you take a chunk of the grass, that's that the the chunk is the divot, and the grass that flies is the divot. So you put the divot back in the divot. Anyway, I'm trying to explain this, and I'm like, you put the divot in the divot, and the divot in the divot, and people are like, just shut up. But it doesn't make sense. But a sanded divot or a divot that is replaced in the divot. It's impossible to hit from. It's so difficult. So a, just a wide chunk of nothing is a much easier shot than if it was sanded. So I'm glad they didn't fix it in Russell Henley's position. But anytime you walk up and you look down and your ball is in a divot, it, it's just so deflating. And I think a lot of people say, you know, we shouldn't change that rule because it just is what it is. Like, you know, my mom used to say fairs are for fairs are for funnel cakes, like life's not fair. But think about how few times you've landed in a divot in your life. Like it doesn't happen very often, I don't think, which is why I think changing the rule, it's not like it would automatic automatically make you improve by 10 shots. You know what I mean? But it always happens when it shouldn't happen. That's where <laughs> no, they know. The divots no. And I'm I'm praying to the golf gods. Throughout my round, I'm, I'm fixing other people's ball marks. I'm fixing other people's divots. And I still end up in other in, in divots. It does not make sense to me. But I will say that it was really entertaining to, one, watch Justin Thomas try to make the playoffs. And then that back and forth between Lucas Glover and Russell Henley. Before we get into Lucas Glover, because we have a lot to say about that, let's talk about JT not making the FedEx Cup playoffs. So first off, what has happened to Justin Thomas? We've talked about this before, and we're both on the same page of it's golf. You have the ups and the downs, but someone of Justin's caliber, even when he is really struggling, should still be one of the best 70 players in the world. I know what happened. He got married. He got, he got married. <laughs> he got married. He got a little perspective, had a no phones wedding at Troubadour. The fuck is that? And hasn't made a cut actually well he made the cut but I don't know I think we've talked about this before when you're searching it's like the most demoralizing bullshit because you just can't like you can't find anything and that I feel like I don't know I feel for him I think he's one of my favorite players to watch I love how he's one of the few players who I love watching his emotion and how he actually cares and like you know, it's such a stark difference between watching him and like a Patrick Cantlay who like has never had an emotion on his face in his life. And I love the fire in Justin Thomas. And I think it's been it's been hard to watch. And I think you do see the chip on the 18th hole. Chip on the 18th hole where he has to make it. He has to make birdie on 18 to make it into the playoffs. And he hits it left, has this 
70 yard hook around trees off of the pine straw hits an amazing shot and then justin thomas known for one of the best short games on tour hits this incredible pitch shot hits right in front hits the pin i thought it was going in and just popped on out but when you're talking about justin thomas caring so much and being so passionate and feisty it's what makes him so great but it's also i think the reason why he is struggling so much right now so i think that amy olsen put this perfectly where she said that in golf you have to practice every single day like it is the most important thing in your entire life and you have to care so much but then tournament day comes around you tee it up and you have to play like you don't care one bit and it's such a really difficult dynamic with golf because it is so mental and you're seeing a player like justin thomas who cares so deeply and he works so incredibly hard and he's doing everything he possibly can and when it's going well you have that confidence but when one thing starts to go wrong i read an article where he's not he's really changed up his diet and he's doing everything he can to get back to that level and it's almost like the more you put into it and the more you care the harder it is to perform under pressure and i think that's what we're seeing because he does care so much and he is so passionate about what he does and you see a player like a dustin johnson or they always say to Brooks. Me, yeah, Brooks, where they, they try to like play with no care at all, like no worries in their mind, nothing at all. You have to go out there. And I've even seen this, and this was something that I really struggled with when I was playing competitively, especially in college golf, when I would see people get absolutely trashed the night before a tournament and then go out there and shoot a 66 and I'm grinding, I'm trying to eat well, I'm working out, I'm doing everything I need to be doing. And then I absolutely blow it on tournament day. And that is so demoralizing to see that and say like I'm doing everything I possibly can it should be working and golf is one of those sports where it's almost the the opposite when you're not properly conditioned or you're not taking care of your body it's going to show up in other sports but with golf not always the truth I could not agree more and I think one of the things that I always noticed when playing was like when it was really raining or when it was super windy and your mind is so focused on something else I've always tended to play better because I'm, I'm so not focused on what score, like where I'm at on my scorecard, what I'm thinking about in my swing. I'm trying to stay dry, keep all my towels under the umbrella. But like, how do you train yourself to care less? You need to do that. <laughs> I need to do that. Trust me, a bunch of sports psychologists and still it never helped. We could talk about this all day long, but we all know that Justin Thomas is gonna make the Ryder Cup. You think so? I think so. If I was another player I'd be pissed. <laughs> who played a lot, I would be fucking pissed. I don't know. As much as I love Justin Thomas in the Ryder Cup, I think I will think less of Zach Johnson if he picks him. Really? I think that's a hot take. Explain. I don't think he's worthy of it this year. Like if you look at the if you look at the people who, if it wasn't Captain's picks and it was just the next six people who would have qualified on play, he's like 70th <laughs> on that list. Like literally. Well, actually 71st. Well, yeah, good one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't think it will be the right move. Do you think there's some merit to the take that within the Ryder Cup, having great team camaraderie and having someone who is a fiery, feisty player almost eliminates 
bad play of the entire year because you would see on the European team where they would bring certain players in who really weren't playing their best, but they would turn it up and they could bring it when it counted during the Ryder Cup because they were great match play players. Is that something that you're looking at Justin Thomas? I would say from the camaraderie aspect, yes, because everyone loves Justin Thomas and I think he would add so much to the team atmosphere. But when I think of great Ryder Cup players, Justin Thomas is not the first person that pops into my mind. I mean, he's the first person I think of when I think of like the celebration photos with Tiger <laughs> and things like that. But like at that point, just make him a volunteer assistant and have him drive a golf cart. Like if it's about the camaraderie, like he'll still be in the locker room. Still, I don't know. We could go on a whole rabbit hole about that. The last thing I'll say is my only issue with it is that I do think that Justin Thomas will be on the team and I can see all the reasons why he will potentially be on the team. But if I am a player who is having the year of my career and this is probably my only Ryder Cup opportunity and they pick Justin Thomas over someone who is actually playing extremely well right now and they will never play in a Ryder Cup, I would be very frustrated if I was that player. That's, a tough, that's a tough beat, for sure. I agree. And it'll be interesting. So we got to get into this Lucas Glover situation because it was a very interesting one. So after Lucas Glover won, his daughter was bawling hysterically and Lucas Glover got very emotional and he had this amazing interview with Amanda and he was talking about how this means so much to him because he's been playing really bad this year and he just hasn't been able to see his kids that often and so I was really touched by that really touched by that and I was thinking I'm like how bad has Lucas Glover been playing this year that you can't even see your kids like you were on the road every single week and you have to make money so i looked and he's been on tour since his 20th year on tour his total career earnings is 30.5 million dollars and this season alone he has made 2.5 million dollars he's played in 25 events made 14 cuts four top tens five top 25s i mean what is going on here the daughter crying threw me off to begin with. Maybe it's my aversion to kids. And then secondly, I don't know what what are they spending? Are they did he spend it all already? But the whole Lucas Glover situation is giving the same energy as James Hahn when he was complaining how he couldn't fly back to see his daughter start the first day of school and all of these parents working multiple jobs and barely, you know, making it by and James Hahn had made at that point, like $12 million throughout his career. And you're looking at Lucas Glover and I know he just won. And that was probably a big chunk of the $2.5 million, but he was still making a ton of money before he got this win. And so it's like, it, it, it almost, it almost ruined the moment for me when I found that out. It's like sometimes you look at these pros and I'm sure we all have our own issues. And no matter how much money you have, there are still things that people are battling every single day. And I understand that. But... <laughs> comma, but... But, like, come on. Come on. I think it's just a little insensitive to say that. 
given your financial position and knowing what other people are going through and what they have to go through. Like some people don't even see their kids at all because they are working multiple jobs and they're gone in the morning and they're gone at night and they're trying just to get by. And it's like, come on, Lucas Lover. Like, I know this means a lot to you and I'm supportive and I like you, but it just came off a little insensitive to me. Well, all I have to say is that I bet his wife was happy after he won because I remember a time where she wasn't. Remember this? I think you need to run through Lucas Glover's timeline because it is a wild one. And I'm not sure a lot of people remember this. So I remember it. And then I went down a rabbit hole. And I don't remember all of this shit that I'm about to tell you. I don't remember the details being that out there. And this was when I worked at Golf Channel. So I feel like I should have known at this point. So... Okay, set it up for us, Sam. What year right. are we in? <laughs> we are in 2019. It's May 2019 in Ponte Vedra Beach at the Players' Championship. It was 2019? 2019? It wasn't even that long ago. I thought this happened in like 2015. No, and the best part is that at this point in his career, when this event happened, he had made $20 million. Okay, just keep that in mind and his whole career earnings. And that's just on course. That's not giving sponsors, like all that, you know, appearance on his hat, all that shit. Okay, Krista is the wife's name. After the third round at the players in 2019, Lucas Glover shot a 78. Krista Glover was arrested on a domestic violence charge after she reportedly became upset and quote, forcefully attacked Lucas after he shot 78. This is all like quotes from the like court documents. I'm not even exaggerating this. She showered Lucas with insults, called him a pussy and a loser, then resorted to physical violence. She told him that Lucas needs to fire everyone and he would and he better win or she and the kids would leave him and he would never see them again. So then this whole thing goes down. She's hitting him, right? And and his mom Okay, she's like in a physical altercation with Lucas and his 63-year-old mother at the time. Krista calls 911 and says she's being attacked by Lucas's mom. Lucas grabs the phone and is like, that's not true, she's lying. Like both of these women are out of their minds. <laughs> then he said, then he, this is like a fucking TV Wait, show. I'm, quotes. <laughs> I'm serious. Then he tells the police, my wife has gone crazy and She's trying to blame it on my mom, but it's really her. Keep in mind, this is happening at their rental house in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, after he had just played three rounds at the fucking players a year before the chain smokers. This was not that long ago. Okay, so apparently Lucas and his mom both had visible injuries like bruises and cuts, and there was blood on his mom's shirt. So like this was not just a little like, I don't remember it being like this. I don't either. So she was charged with battery and resisting an officer. And then when she was in the back of a cop car, she goes to the cops, wait till the tour hears about this. You will lose your job. This is why cops get shot in the face. Wait till I talk to a judge. You will be fucking fired over this. In quotes, in the court documents, that's what she said. Then and what, then what happened, Sam? I can't believe there's more. Then a report, you know, they have to like investigate and talk to Lucas and talk to the mom and do the whole due diligence thing. Lucas said that his wife regularly yells at him when he plays bad. And then after that, 
um, this is how I found out about it because Lucas tweeted, he came out with like a statement and said that it was a private matter, everyone's fine, and it would be handled in private. Then Krista did 25 hours of community service and her case was thrown out and it's just all null and void now. What? I remember the situation and I remember seeing her mugshot, but I didn't realize it was that bad. And domestic violence is no joke on either yeah. side. And I don't think that people talk about the abuse that most men face in their relationships and it's never yeah. really fully brought to light. And I want to be very serious about this moment because people don't talk about this. And think about if it was reversed and what would have happened and what would have transpired. They're still together. He mentioned in the post-conference talk with Amanda that he was like, my wife couldn't be here today. Like, say say hi to mom. Like, all the stuff. He, like, pointed it out that they are, like, still together. And it's insane. It's insane. It's It's scary. I think, like you said, it's not talked about. A lot of issues aren't talked about, various issues, when it would have been the other gender or would have been a different person. And I think that the fact that I literally worked for Golf Channel as someone who wrote articles about this shit and I did not know any of this is crazy. And I don't know. I think that, like you said, when you were looking up his um, career, he's been a lot more successful than I thought he was. I mean, there's not that many guys on tour that have made over 30 million. Like, there's just not. I mean, he has like a Charles Howell III career like going, right? Like <laughs> a sneaky career. Sneaky good career. Yeah. That's insane. Win money betting on golf this year. Betting on golf is fun, but picking winners isn't easy. BetSports Golf has the data, tools, and experts to turn your Sundays into paydays. Members get in-depth articles, research tools, and our team's picks each and every week. If you had bet $100 on every wager the BetSports Golf team had recommended last year, you'd be up nearly $10,000. For a limited time, you can head to BetSportsGolf.com to get a special price on a year-long subscription. Like we were saying, I think there's a ton of issues that happen with men that we don't fully talk about enough. And I don't mean to like totally change the subject, but when we watched the Barbie movie, this was actually a conversation that we had where it was all about how women feel like they have to be everything all the time to everyone. And no one ever discusses the fact that men also feel those pressures. They have to look a certain way. They have to act a certain way. They can't be too emotional, but they have to show some emotion. They, they have to be all of these things all the time. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And then there's issues that happen like this that don't fully get talked about. And it, it's it's difficult. Like it is difficult. And I hope that, you know, we have a, a male dominated audience. And I think growing up in golf, which is very male dominated, we do see that side a little bit more. And I wish people talked about it. Yeah, it's, it's scary what goes on behind closed doors. And like we talk about all the time, you never know what somebody's going through. And the more compassion and kindness you can show mostly online, because I feel like that's where people get, you know, their, their big boy britches on and think they can say whatever they want. It's just, you never know what people are going through. And that is the moral of the story here. So then then learning from my mistakes. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't insensitive that Lucas Glover was crying and good for him for showing his emotions and that it meant a lot to him because like we said, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And he, again, 
You don't know. I don't want to speculate anything, but he was very emotional for a reason. It meant a lot to him. So good on Lucas Glover. Something that was really cool that happened was Bryson DeChambeau shot a 58 to win the live event. I tweeted this. Most people can't even shoot a 58 in a four-man scramble with mulligans. And a bunch of people were commenting. They're like, I've shot lower. And I'm like, yeah, you're cheating. <laughs> you're cheating. But the fact that still four people, all of their best shots, and you still can't shoot a 58. I don't care where you are, what course you're on, from what distance, a 58 is so fucking good. It's crazy. And I think it, I mean, first thing I'll say is if you shot a 58 and no one saw it, does it really count? But that's just a little joke I had to get in there. I do think I was a little bit sad that I didn't hear anything about it or see anything about it until he had already made the putt to shoot 58. Like, I would have loved to watch that. Live golf, PGA Tour, I don't give a shit. I would have loved to tune in and, and see that, right? Um, a couple interesting facts about his 58. He had a bogey. Okay, Insane. that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, we did see Jerry Kelly shoot a 58, but... He did. And talk about times when you don't care. I don't think he could have cared less about how he was playing, and he was just firing them off that day. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, Bryson also played with a long drive driver. Uh, the Crank Golf Driver, they, that brand has won over 25 World Long Drive Championships. That's crazy. But that makes sense because I was looking at his what's in the bag and it was like his long driver and his short driver. And I'm like, what, what, what is a short driver? Why do you have a long driver and a short driver? So that checks out. Thanks for clarifying oh, that for me. Some things you could have kept to yourself. Um, you know what I think is interesting, which is very timely. We have been on OnlyPage telling you guys about games you can play on the golf course by yourself with friends this summer. And one that we just uploaded was playing the front tees and how both of us in college played that all the time. We've been saying this for years, for years. And guess what, guess what Bryson said, his key to success. Can you finish your thought? Cause I'm gonna rant, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rant after this. So you continue. He said that his key to success was and has been playing the front tees because he's comfortable making a shit ton of birdies. That's literally what he said after he played. And then I was like, huh, it's a little bit funny, isn't it? The fact that- That we foreshadow everything. Yes. And that we have been saying this for years, for years. Sam and I have both played at a very high level. We didn't make it for our own personal reasons. <laughs> But we're really cute, so like. But we've just we've discussed if people would just listen to what we're saying, they would be so much better off. Now it's a huge story that Bryson is like, I played from the red tees. I have been telling you that for years. The amount of retweets that I saw men being like, "Oh, I'm gonna do it now." I'm like, do as I say. Do as I say. Listen the first to what time what we are telling you because we know our stuff and it's getting to the point where i'm tired of downplaying our ability i'm tired yeah. of it and we are fucking good we have played at such a high level we have worked with some of the best coaches in the world and we know what we're talking about Listen to us. You're going to improve if you listen to us. And I see these guys on the internet following people 
who can't break 95. And we are here giving you quality information. Everything that we have learned and absorbed in our years of playing, we are giving it to you for free, for free. It drives me insane. That really bothered me because I'm like, we have been saying that. We've always been saying that. We've talked about this multiple times on this podcast, on the YouTube channel, on OP. That is just a game that you should do to shoot lower scores. It is such a good game to do. <sighs> Deep breaths. I mean, it's frustrating. No, it is. I just was going to let you. you I'm know. good. I'm good. I'm good. I was going to let the high pitched rant go on as long as it needed to. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. And I think, you know, maybe everybody will come around one day, realize that we're not idiots. It's like when we tell people to go get fitted. You know how many times I've told people to go to club champion and go get fit for your clubs that buying off the rack is such a waste of money. and You're not going to get the performance that you're looking for out of your golf club. So just go and get fit. And every time someone listens to me, the messages I get back is like, I've gained 50 yards. I've done this. I've done this. I'm like, I know. I know. You know what I've started to do to get people to listen to me is someone called me their golf mommy. And so I have now become golf mommy on Instagram. And so as the mother, I am telling them what they should be doing. And they listen. And they listen. They're finally listening to their golf mommy. So as your golf mommy, go to Club Champion and go get fit for your clubs. And because we all love a good discount, you can use my code page. We're going to rapid fire through five golf questions we were asked on the Instagram account last night. Number one, which I think this is an interesting question. Are blade or mallet putters better? It depends on your putting stroke. I also think better is just not a word you can use here. We've talked about this before. A lot of the time, if you don't like what you're looking down at, forget it. That's why people change putters a lot is because they get fatigue of looking down at the same putter all the time. Or you have people like Tiger who use the same putter and style for their whole lives. So do you think it's fair to say that there's not a better or worse? No, I think it comes down to your stroke and what's most important. Are you face balanced? Is it toe hang? What does the shape of the hosel look like? These are all things that really actually do come into play on what makes a good putter for you because you could really like something, but it might not be the best putter for you. But when it comes to putting, it's such an individualized experience where you could play a putter that's not fair for you, that doesn't like, you should be playing something totally different. But if you have confidence with it and you're putting well with it and you can make it work, then it's one club that's completely different than any other club in your bag. And I still recommend going to get fit because I do think a lot of people are playing the wrong putter for them. And they're having a putter with toe hang and they need one with face balance. And then they're like, why am I missing them all this way or that way? And I'm like, well, it's because it is of your putter. But no, it's what looks good to your eye. There's not One is not better than the other. I do recommend though, when you do get a new putter to stick with it for a little bit, because I do see people changing their putters up quite constantly. And I think that's also a mental issue that they have when it comes to putting, stick with it and get through the good times and the bad times. Like think of your putter as a marriage. Well, I can't speak on that. Let's go to the next question. Oh my God. 
I'm dead. Okay. What's your favorite drill to learn better tempo? I'm putting or full swing? Full swing. My favorite drill for tempo is the stop at the top drill. Tiger Woods came out and he said that this was a drill that he used when he was playing his best golf. And it's so simple and so easy, but it really does help you. So you swing up to the top of your swing, hold it for a second, and then you come down. It syncs everything up. Most people rush it from the top and everything is out of sync where their hips are going first, where their hands are going first. And so when you stop at the top, to be able to make solid contact, everything just has to come through smoothly. And that is the best drill that has worked for me for tempo. How about you? I would say if we're if you're talking about more just to get the feeling, I would say swinging with two clubs in your hands or getting one of those little swing weights off Amazon that are two or three pounds and putting it down by the, the club head. I think getting yourself to really get in the motion and used to slowing down mostly in your backswing. And when you use heavier clubs, that's not going to allow you to cast it up here, get really yeah. fast at the top of your swing. I would say that's something that I always did. And then, I mean, if you do have the means to, if I could recommend one training aid, it would be the orange whip for the tempo. I literally loved my orange whip, took that thing everywhere. So that's what I would say. What kind of snacks do you like to bring on the golf course? People are looking for snack ideas. Multiple people, actually. So I would say most people will go for a hot dog at the turn, which is a delicious snack. But when I was playing competitively, you want to keep your energy high and you don't want to have an insane burst of energy. So you don't want to have a sugar spike or a caffeine spike because within golf, you want to stay as level as possible. And so sometimes when you have too much caffeine or too much sugar, you can get a little bit jittery, which can affect your putting. So I like snacks like a peanut butter and banana sandwich. You can do a PB and J, anything with some protein as well. So you can do a protein drink. Um, a nice trail mix that has, you know, like unsalted almonds and really things that are a bit boring or bland. But when you're trying to keep your energy and your focus for such a long period of time, anything like um, my favorite trail mix is like adding some dried fruit, almonds, you can add some dark chocolate to that if you want like a little bit of a kick of sugar, um, a peanut butter banana sandwich, and then a protein bar and a protein shake. And you want to try to nibble at least every three holes and drink a ton of water. And that way you're going to be hydrated, feeling good, your energy is going to be consistent, but eating every three holes is really the way to go. That's the key that I was going to say was I think it's less about what it is and more about the consistency throughout because the people who just eat a big ass hot dog on hole number 10 is like, <laughs> good luck. And then you're going to want to go to sleep after the round because you've also had eight beers. So like, I think it's more, I was a beef jerky and uh, salted goldfish, not the original goldfish, the plain yep. white ones. I love those. And I think they were, I would just have a handful every three holes and some beef jerky. And I feel like that really worked for me, but water intake for sure. Especially it's so damn hot out there. You guys like, I can't even go outside to walk my dog. It's so fucking hot here. I can't do it anymore. The snacks that I was recommending were for like a competition or a tournament. Yeah, exactly. But if you're going out with your buddies, go have fun. Like go drink yeah. the beer, <laughs> have the hot dog, like eat what you want, have that Snickers bar. Like it's okay. But if you do really want to eat to fuel your body to help you shoot lower scores, then what you are intaking is actually very important. What's the most important club to get fit for? Like, let's say you can only afford to do one. That's a really hard question because let me just go through all of them and why I think each one's important because they're all different. And I think it it's determined on like what you're struggling with in your game. So 
having a really great driver that's fit for you is so important because most people are losing up to 20 yards by having a driver that's not fit for them. And you will shoot lower scores. And we've seen this with data, you will shoot lower scores if you hit it farther. And you can drop your handicap easier if you're hitting it just about 10 yards farther. So that's an easy way to fix your game. And also your dispersion will also get better. So you'll be hitting from more fairways. But if your irons aren't fit for you, then you're going to struggle and you're not going to hit any greens. And most people don't have a good enough short game to get through their round with only hitting eight greens. And so having irons that fit for you are so incredibly important. Most people struggle with their short games because they don't actually have wedges that fit for them. Wedges are so neglected when it comes to the fitting process. And it is actually one of the more important clubs that you need to get fit for because everyone has a different attack angle. And so the bounce is going to be different for each person. And a lot of people will dig or they'll hit shots that they just can't hit because of their bounce does not fit their swing. And so if you have wedges that fit you, you can actually hit off tight lines. You can hit these shots that you've been struggling with because your wedges just were wrong for you. Having a putter, I mean, it's a scoring club. So of course that you want to have a putter that's fit for you. Having really good woods, like a good three wood off the tee is so vital and into par fives because most people struggle with their three wood and they don't have one that's fit for them. And it's like, once you do, it's a game changer because if your driver's struggling, then you hit your three wood off the team, you can also go for part five. So they're all really important. I mean, out of everything I said, which one would you say is most important? I mean, if we're talking strictly like strokes per round that you use the club for, I would say putter probably number one. And then shortly behind number two for a weekend golfer, probably a 60 to degree wedge 56 degree wedge I mean and actually practicing it I think is yeah. also a key to this that's what I would say so what we're saying is all of the clubs are important so <laughs> go get fit for all of them but you could be driving it amazing and you're struggling with your irons and I would say one thing to look out for is inconsistency across your club so if you hit your driver really well and then you're missing your woods left and your irons right then that's a club fitting issue. That's not a swing issue. If you're missing all of your clubs the consistent way, then that tends to be more of a swing issue. But if there's inconsistencies across your clubs with where you're missing them, that is actually a fitting issue. And one thing that was really interesting is Billy Horschel came out and he said that the loft and lies on his clubs were wrong. And it's just a mistake of no one, just the wear and tear of traveling and playing with them all the time, the clubs will bend. And he was struggling with his clubs because they were just a degree or two off. And so again, it just shows you how small of a change can make a massive difference. And that's someone who gets their clubs looked at every single week. So imagine what getting fit could do for you if you've never gotten fit before. We're like broken records. Maybe they'll listen to us one day. Who knows? Mother knows best. Golf mommy says go get fit. Um, all right. Last question. How can I practice my lag putting slash speed control? Um, the number one thing that I did when I was getting ready to go out and play a golf course, no matter if it was a tournament or playing on a Saturday, is find two holes that are 30-ish feet apart and just go back and forth with two golf balls. Just putt two. Don't worry about making them. Just try to get in a general vicinity of the hole because I feel like short game is very neglected when it comes to warm up. Everyone just wants to take their nine iron and their driver on the range and drink a few beers and talk about how they're gonna try to break 100 today with their friends and they go to the first tee because they didn't realize it was their tee time and they didn't get to putt. And it's a whole thing. And it's like, dude, you literally, the most strokes of your golf round are your putting. 
Can you please yeah. start taking putting seriously? Please. Yep. That was my rant. No. And I totally agree with you. And I think a lot of people struggle with being able to practice putting because a driving range, there's a spot for everyone for the most part. Driving ranges are wide, they're big, and they do that because most people go and they practice their long game before they go to their tee time. Most putting greens are quite small and there aren't two holes available because everyone's crowded around and practicing. So what I like to do is use the collar. And this drill is also on OP. So if you want to go and see me walk you through it, then you can go over to my subscription site. But what you do is you have a golf ball and you putt it to the collar. You try to get it as close as you possibly can without it going past the collar. And you just go back and forth. So it's essentially the same drill as what Sam said, is you go back and forth, you go back and forth. But if you don't have a hole, you can still putt to different spots on the putting green and that should never be an excuse. And I think sometimes that is an excuse for people because they just don't want to go practice it. And they're like, oh, there's too many people there. Uh, there's no room for me. No, there are drills that you can do and you don't need an open putting green to do so. And I also like to find an uphill and a downhill putt too to see how each one react before you go out on the golf course, because you see this all the time where people will three putt the first couple holes. They're like, oh, I didn't know the speed of the green. The putting green was right there. It was right there available for you to go and hit some putts and you chose not to do it. So you have to practice these things to get better. And rant. Uh, this is a very ranty episode. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review, a nice review. You can find this podcast anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Make sure to share it with your friends. You can ask us more questions on the Playing Around Instagram account. It's just Playing Around Pod on Instagram. So definitely go check that out. Don't forget to subscribe and we will see you guys next week. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you want to improve your game faster and hit your driver longer? The good news is ShotScope can help you achieve your goals. ShotScope has products for every golfer, such as GPS watches, laser rangefinders, and shot tracking devices designed to lower scores and improve your golf by over four shots on average. I use the Pro LX Plus rangefinder on the course to get my distances. What I love most about ShotScope is tracking my game and reviewing my stats. The great news is your personalized stats are completely free with no yearly subscription. If I can use it, anyone can. Jump over to shotscope.com today and find the perfect product for you. And remember to use my code page at checkout.